Can everybody hear me in the back? Good. All right, before I start the lesson, I'll go ahead and explain the, uh, the distraction. Uh, 23 years ago, I was in the Navy and shattered and dislocated my wrist. And every so often, it still bothers me. And so I put the brace on uh, today to help out with that. So just in case you look at it and you're like me and you're, you have ADD and you see the shiny object and you want to know what's going on. Thank you, Dwayne, for reading that, that passage of Scripture this morning. And we're going to talk about that. And if you read the bulletin, you'll see that today's lesson is entitled A Match Made in Heaven. And it has multiple meanings here this morning. But uh, before we get started in that, this sermon this morning involves audience participation. So feel free to look around while we do this. If you would indulge me, if you could raise your hand if you're married. And for, for those widows, I'd like you to participate as well if you are married. Please, raise your hands. Okay, keep them up. Take a look around. Anybody married longer than five years? Longer than 10 years? 15? 20? 30? Anybody married longer than 50 years? How about 40? Anybody married longer than 40? Okay. Keep that in mind. It's going to be very important to our lesson today. And for those who have been married for a, a long time, I think you'll have to agree with me that the nature of your relationship changes over time. When you first meet someone, there's that, that rush of excitement, right? Um, in my own case, uh, my lovely wife ordered me online. Um, I was stationed down in, in Virginia Beach. She was living uh, in Orange County, Virginia. And I put out a, an ad online. She saw me. And we started emailing and then talking on the phone. And then when we finally met for the first time in Fredericksburg, Virginia, all I had seen was a picture. And so when I saw her walk down the street, I felt that rush of excitement. I said to myself, self, because that's what I call myself. I said, boy, I hope that's her. And the rest is, you know, as they say, history. And it's been nothing but, you know, beauty each and every day, happy day every, ever since, right? Because <laughs> that's how it works. But for those of us that have been in relationships for a while, we know that things change. But in that first moment, when you first meet someone, you feel that euphoria. You feel that excitement. And now the scientist in me comes out, the engineer in me comes out. Well, there actually is a chemical reaction going on inside your body. Your body produces increased levels of serotonin, adrenaline, and dopamine, which affect the pleasure centers of your, of your brain. You know, adrenaline makes your heart beat faster, and you get that euphoric feeling from meeting this person. It also affects your brain so that all you can think about is that special guy or special girl. So there are actual chemical changes that go on in your body. But your body can't sustain this. And over time, these chemicals go back to that regular level. And all too often, people start to say, well, you don't feel in love with them anymore. So they associate that with being in a feeling. 
some relationships last past that point. You have some mutual interests and you hang on for a while. Unfortunately, there are times that during that first phase, things happen and children become involved. And then when that fades, there are now children and people stay in relationships but feel trapped in a relationship that was without love as they define it. But for those that last a distance, the foundation goes much deeper. And it has the ability to go through the changes that happen when relationships change. As we grow older, our circumstances change, our situations change. Where once it was all about doing fun things together, now careers come into play, jobs. There may be children. Sometimes taking care of parents comes into play. And all these things start driving how we spend our time. That initial wonderful chemical love that we had is now faded and it's completely focused about everything else. And sometimes the only time you get to talk to each other is when you're texting each other during the day. And then maybe you see somebody at you know, 10 o'clock at night to say goodnight to them. You get torn away from your spouse for all these other responsibilities. And there was one year got up in the morning and because of everything that was going on we took two separate cars to church and got here for Bible study and I'm looking through the bulletin and go, huh stepped outside at quarter after ten called up Kate and said, hey, happy anniversary <laughs> to which my lovely bride said, oh yeah, that's today <laughs> not that we love each other any less but sometimes the realities of life encroach on what's going on. So the match made in heaven can talk to a marriage relationship, but it can also, in my lesson this morning, is going to refer to our walk with Christ. And that marriage relationship that lasts over time is a good parallel to our walk. And as I thought about the different phases of relationship, I looked at the parable of the four soils as a good analogy of which I've been accused of using a lot. As different phases of a relationship. And so if we go to Matthew chapter 13, beginning in the first verse, for those of you that are following along, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Matthew chapter 13, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, or because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the, root, uh, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, where it grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. 
a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. For the sake of this lesson, that seed that was scattered along the rocky path is where there just is no beginning mutual attraction. I don't know about you, but you know, you've met somebody, and they may be nice as a friend, but you never think about having a relationship, a romantic relationship with them. There's just no mutual attraction. It's not going to go anywhere. Sadly, in our spiritual walk, you meet somebody, you share the word with them, and they just don't want to hear it. And we talked a little bit about that in Bible class this morning. And the example was Joseph talking to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh had had the dream about the seven fat cows being eaten by the seven thin cows or the seven fat ears of corn being eaten by the seven thin ears. And he had gone to his spiritual advisors and his his wise men, and they didn't have an answer for him. And so the ground was plowed for him to have an answer there. And the cupbearer had been in prison with Joseph and brought him to him. And Joseph told Pharaoh, the only answer for you is going to come from God. And he was ready to hear that. And so when he was able to interpret his dream, Pharaoh accepted that. But sometimes, unfortunately, people just aren't ready to hear that. They don't want to move forward. They don't believe religion's for them. They don't want to be judged. They think that Christians are too high and mighty, too goody two-shoes, which is very unfortunate. And I'm not saying give up on these people. All we can do is plant the seed. Continue to plant the seed. Sometimes the seed lands and sprouts. That's that beginning gushy kind of love, you know? You meet somebody, they're like, ooh, I really like that person. And people don't want to be around you because you're all lovey-dovey with them. And people are like, people are sick because you're so over the top about being in love. And sometimes that's how we can be when we're first introduced to the Lord. We are just on fire. We want to tell everybody the good news. And I'll tell you, when I came up out of the water January 16th of 1999, I was absolutely on fire for the Lord. That was such a wonderful feeling. And somebody told me, boy, I must have been full of sin. I must have had a ton of sin because I was in the water for so long. Now, you may not have noticed, but I'm a little bit tall. And when you go down in that water, you know, it's, I don't know if it's really built for taller people and I was baptized down in Fredericksburg and it was a little bit of a smaller baptismal and when I leaned back the uh, gentleman couldn't get all of me underneath so he had you know a hand under my back and a hand on top and I couldn't quite go all the way under so he pulled the hand out from under my back and used both hands and pushed me down Now, contrary to what some of you may be thinking, I am not a ninja. And I cannot get myself back up from having my back parallel to the ground without help. So I'm down there in the water doing, you know, doing that. 
And my best friend in my entire life goes, hmm, he must have a lot of sin because he's been in there a long time. So finally, you know, Craig reached under me and helped me back up. The sad truth is I was full of sin. But I was washed clean on that day. And one of the brothers there in Fredericksburg told me, he said, write down how you feel today. Write down what you're thinking today. Because nowhere in your life will it be as fresh in your mind, the sacrifice that Christ endured for you. And I don't think it was a chemical feeling. It's a genuine taking hold of the word when you come up out of that water. But sadly, as time progresses, I think the world intrudes on us. And we truly, truly, truly have to be ready for that adversity. If you flip over to the book of James with me, beginning in James chapter 2, or James, beginning in verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. That's that sun that comes out and scorches that plant. You know what's coming. You come up out of that water, Satan says, there's another one I need to go get. And a faith that quickly fades is not a strong faith. It needs to be fed to grow. And how do plants grow? You've got to feed them and water them. Because when you feed them and water them, they develop roots. And to develop our spiritual roots, we have to be in the Word and studying it. Paul describes this as starting with spiritual milk and growing from there. If you'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. As we mature, we have to progress from milk to solid food. Otherwise, we are stagnant. And I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where your significant other looks at you and goes, where's this relationship going? Each day in our walk with Christ, we need to ask ourselves, where is my relationship with Christ going? 
because we're either heading towards him or heading away from him. There is no parallel to him. And the writer of Hebrews captures his disappointment over in Hebrews chapter 5. Beginning in verse 11, he says, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So they're backsliding. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. They should have been growing, but instead are not maturing as they should. It's so important that we continue to grow. And one of the challenges to, to growth is weeds, thorns, plants that are in the ground that we didn't plant there. In the parable that Christ gave his disciples, the worries and cares of this world choked out the word. As we continue in our relationships with each other, situations change, jobs change, children grow up, leave the house, parents get older, need looking after. All these factors change our relationships with each other. But there are some things that are very clear. Strong marriages continue to change as people change and they grow over time. The relationship between husband and wife is one that is truly committed. You may have heard it said that marriage is 50-50. Sad to say that that's not quite true. Unfortunately, divorce is 50-50. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this morning, marriage is 100-100. Now we all have our off days where we don't live up to our side of the equation. One spouse gives more than the other. I know that much. Any of you out there that's not guilty, living in the glass house, go ahead and throw those stones. But I pray that in those occasions, that each spouse has the grace to look at the other one. And no, it's not done intentionally. That we still love each other. And the passage that Wayne read this morning is meant to be a model for how we are to be. So if you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, where we read, once again, beginning in verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. To present herself, present her to himself, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Whoever each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So in the passage that we were just reading, the wives submit to your husbands part starts off with a section. Boy, that one gets quoted often, doesn't it? Wives submit to your husbands. But we need to go on into that next part where it says, Husbands, love your wives. The most important, go back to verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jesus gave himself on the cross for you and I. God sent his only son willingly as a sacrifice for our sins. Boy, if that's not a 100% commitment, I don't know what is. And as we continue with our Christian walk, our relationship with God, and looking at those marriages that survive for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there has to be change on both sides, away from that initial chemical stage of relationship, through the next phase and on into that deep abiding commitment to each other. And if you're thinking about our walk with God, there's one side that doesn't change. God doesn't change. He made it clear in Hebrews chapter 6, talking about his promises to Abraham. Beginning in verse 13, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And then again in Psalm 145, in verse 13, beginning in verse 13, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. So in our relationship with God, if he's not changing, the only one that changes over time is us. We have to change in a way that deepens our commitment, deepens our faith, and makes us more mature. And that brings us to the last soil that the seed is scattered on. When the seed reaches us, the roots must go down deep to resist hardship. And we must keep from letting the worries and cares of this world choke out our faith and keep us from being fruitful. 
And how do we do that? In 2 Peter, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Excuse me. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So keep striving to develop those roots that last the test of time. And going back to verse 8, keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. For in the parable of soil, we want to produce a crop that is 100 or 60 or 30 fold. We need to be 100% committed to God and our relationship with him. Now this morning we've talked about the parallel between marriage relationship and the relationship we have to God. Both need to have a strong foundation to last through trials. Both need to become more mature in order to weather all of the changes that come through life and all need to reach that level of maturity to become complete. For those of you that have read the Bible, you'll see the word love many, many times. When you go to look for the Greek root of those words, you will not find the word eros in Greek, which is the romantic, gushy love. Instead, predominantly, you'll find the word agape. Brothers and sisters, agape love is not a feeling. It's an action. That action comes from being truly committed and deeply devoted. The chemical love associated with the beginning relationship doesn't last. The deep-rooted commitment associated with agape does. It's truly required for a lasting marriage, and it's truly required for a lasting relationship with God. And that brings us to our last passage of Scripture, and then the lesson is yours. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Brothers and sisters, I talked about a match made in heaven. What I've talked about is we, the body of Christ, and Christ himself as the head of the church. The first passage we heard talked about Christ and we, the body of the church, coming together. In the last passage we just read, our goal is to become more Christ-like in our relationship. We should strive day in and day out to be 100% committed. As we enter into this week, let us strive to grow in him, to love him, and to be more like him. We're going to sing a song of invitation here in a moment. If you want to put on Christ in baptism, we can help you this morning. If you have other needs this morning, confession to make, someone to pray for you, also please come forward as we stand and sing.